thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. So we are looking at faith that works even when life doesn't. I don't know about you, but when we look at the TV at the moment, it doesn't kind of look like life is working in lots of parts of the world. And at the end of our time together today, we're going to be praying for Israel and we're going to be praying for India. And we're also going to invite you, whether you're in the room or whether you're online uh, today, to give financially uh, to India as well. And it sounds like a vast thing. And we have a project out there, uh, some friends of ours doing an incredible stuff. And it's literally heartbreaking for me when I talk to them about what is happening in India. And we just want to help them. Obviously, we pray, but we also want to give financially. And I'll tell you how you can do that at the end of our time together. But we're looking uh, over these, this season of May uh, at a faith that works even when life doesn't. And this is week three. And today, um, whether you are here in the room or whether you are online, we are looking for weapons of mass destruction. Each of you has a WMD. Did you know that? Each of you has a weapon of mass destruction. And it is this. It is literally your tongue, which I can't see your tongues because they're behind your mask. But for those of you online, you can stick your tongue out right now. Yep, I know it's a bit of an awkward moment in the room here. But each of us have a weapon of mass destruction and it is your tongue. And we are, you see, the reality is your words are free, but they can cost you, can't they? And we're talking about this idea, your words shape your world. Your words shape your world. And sometimes when you look at some of the subjects that we look at, okay, there are some that I look at and I think, okay, I'm going to teach on that. I think, yeah, it's fine. I've got that one sorted. When I've come to this one, my wife looks at me knowingly with a little look and a little glint in her eye and I know it. This is a challenge for me as well, okay? I'm sure I'm not the only one, am I? Am I not the only one that actually this is a challenge to look at our words because actually our words can shape our world. In fact, when it comes to words and it comes to punctuation, I don't know how many of you are punctuation police. Let me just show you a few of these. How different. Let's eat, Grandma. It's very different to let's eat, Grandma, isn't it? Absolutely. All right, you see it. Okay, here's another one. If you're a Yoda fan, hmm, correct grammar, do not use I. All right, I don't know whether you're into correct grammar. Here's another one. Um, Thanks to all those who correctly use your, your, their, their, and their. Does anyone get wound up when you see those things? Anyone, anyone get wound up when you see these used wrong or are you just much more relaxed? Some of you do, I can see that hand. Maybe if you're in the chat, why don't you put in the chat if you're online, whether you're one of the people that yet you get wound up when the punctuation's not right or, or, or you're not bothered. Anyway, and the final one. <laughs> I love this one. Just commas make all the difference. A woman without her man is nothing. Or a woman without her man is nothing. Which one? First one or the second one? All right, you're looking at me all blank here. Okay. Basically, words are powerful. Punctuation's powerful. But literally, words can shape our world. They really, really can. And um, I don't know whether any of you ever thought about this question. Who of you would love to be perfect. Anyone want to admit that they're perfect in the room today or online? Okay, some of you online are going to do that. Maybe put your hand up, but nobody in the room is here. The reality is that James, and we're looking at the book of James, and James was the half-brother of Jesus, and he didn't believe in Jesus at the start, okay, because it was his brother 
who was claiming to be the Son of God. He didn't believe it. But then when, when, uh, when Jesus died and was buried and then was rose again from the dead, and the Bible says that, that, that Jesus appeared to many, many people and he appeared to James also. And when James saw his brother risen from the dead, he realised that he really was the Son of God. And so James writes this incredible book called The Letter of James to some Christians in the first century. He writes it around AD 60-62 who were really going through tough times. But it's an intensely practical book And so he talks about faith and and how faith can be built in tough times. He talks about how faith is real and it's got to be lived out that we looked at last week. But he's always really practical when it comes to the use of your tongue. And in James chapter 3, verse 2, there's an incredible verse here. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect. Isn't that interesting? So you want to be perfect. James says, anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. Now, when he uses these words, he uses the word stumble, which in the original language that he writes, it literally means trip, it means fall over, it also means sin, it means fail. Basically, it means mess up. How many of you ever mess up? I know I do. We stumble all the time. We don't mean to do it. It's not like deliberate, but we mess up. But then he says, if you never mess up, You're perfect. And the word he uses for perfect is a Greek word called teleos. It's where we get the word telescope. It's this idea of one of those telescopes that you pull out and you pull it out until it's absolutely complete. It can't go any further. It's finished. That's what he uses in the word perfect. It means that actually it can't get any better. And I think James is saying the reality is you and I will never be perfect this side of eternity. And one of the tests, if we were perfect, was this, that we never, ever say anything at fault. And the reality is none of us will ever be in that category. None of us have arrived because in our mouths, we each have a weapon of mass destruction and it's called the tongue. And so I'm going to dig into this a little bit and then I'll give you something really practical, which if you take it on board, if I take it on board, literally it can shape and change our very world. Isn't that incredible? So James uses some powerful pictures to to describe some points. And his first point I want to say is this, your tongue can direct your life. And the first image he uses is of a horse. And um, the horse, and he says it here in James 3 verse 3, when we put bits into the mouth, that's a little bit in the mouth there, okay, with the... These things, so I've completely gone out of my head. When we put bits into the mouths of the horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. You know, a racehorse weighs between 900 and 1300 pounds with a jockey on its back, can literally turn a whole animal just with that little tiny bit. James says that's the direction that the tongue can cause. It can direct your life. He goes on to use another image and it's this image of the ship in verse 4. Or take ships as an example, James says. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. The largest ship ever built was called a sea-wise giant. It weighs over 650,000 tonnes and yet it's turned with a tiny little thing called a rudder. That's the power of your tongue. It can direct your life. And if the tongue is so powerful, then maybe we shouldn't use words at all. Maybe we should all be quiet. 
Wouldn't that be great? Maybe we should all be quiet. Reminds me of a really old preacher story joke, okay, which I'm going to tell. Some of you have been around church a little bit will know, some of you won't. This guy, he's a monk and he goes to a silent monastery, okay? And the idea is, and I, I've actually been to one of these, I lasted about 20 minutes, to be honest, before I could speak. But he went and he couldn't speak at all for a whole year. But at the end of each year, he was allowed to say two words. So the end of year one, he literally says this, bed hard. They were the two words that he said at the end of year one. At the end of year two, he says, food cold. At the end of year three, he's got his two words coming up and he says, I quit. To which the abbot said, thank goodness for that. He's done nothing but moan ever since he's got here. Okay, but you know, James isn't saying don't speak. James is saying, master your tongue or your tongue will master you. It will direct your life. Not only will it direct your life, but secondly, your tongue can destroy your life. And he uses this powerful image and picture that's going to come up on the screen of a forest fire. And he says in verse 5, Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a single spark. Guys, words start wars, don't they? Words start wars in the home. Words start wars in the community. Words start wars in churches. Words start wars in countries as we're watching right now, as we see rockets being shelled and bullets. That all started. All wars usually start with words. Our words shape our world. Somebody once said, be careful with your words. Once they are said, they can only be forgiven, not forgotten. We're going to look at our words a little bit today. You see, they direct our life. The tongue directs our life. The tongue can destroy our life. But thirdly, our words, our tongue can actually display your life as well. And James says in verse 9 and 10, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father and with it we curse human beings who've been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Ouch, it's so hard hitting, isn't it, James? It's like saying on the one hand, you, you know, you're singing praise and worship to God. and the other, you're destroying somebody else, maybe to their face or maybe behind their back. And it's like, how can that be that those positive words and those destructive words can come out of the same mouth? James goes on to say that it's like fresh water and salt water. They can't like come from the same source. You see, the, the key or the heart of the issue is the issue of the heart. And what James does is he makes a connection between the words that we speak and the condition of our heart. What's in us comes out of us. And you know, I, I think it took me years and years to realise this. And I, I spent a lot of my, and Alison will testify, a lot of our early married life con, convinc, trying to convince her that, you know, that I, I didn't mean to say that. No, no I, I did mean to say it. I just didn't mean to say it out loud. Because what's in us comes out of us. And here's the thing. And have you ever said things like this? You said, I don't know what got into me. It's so not like me to say that. Well, something's going on in you in order for that to come out. And Jesus was really clear that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. That's what the Bible says. And I don't know, have you ever said this? She made me so angry. Anyone ever said that? No, no, she didn't. She surfaced the anger that was already there. You see, what's in us will come out of us. And then sometimes some of us will say, I'm not angry, I'm just frustrated. I'm not angry, I'm just frustrated. And James is going to go on to say, we'll look at it in a minute, the connection between our tongue, our heart and anger. You see, a faith that works 
even when life doesn't, is so good because it's an inside out faith. And Jesus is saying, and James is saying, the brother of Jesus and kind of mirroring often what Jesus says, that actually if you want to get control on your tongue, you've also got to allow Jesus to get control over your heart. Because out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth is going to speak. You see, a harsh tongue is likely to have an angry heart. A negative tongue maybe has a fearful heart. An overactive tongue maybe has an unsettled heart. And a boasting tongue can often have an insecure heart. Have you noticed people that that talk about themselves a lot and, and sometimes that comes out of insecurity. Their heart is insecure and the tongue directs and displays what's going on on the inside with the heart. But when we allow Jesus into our life, guys, he doesn't want to take sides, he wants to take over. He wants to, can you imagine, if the tongue can direct your life, if the tongue can destroy your life, if the tongue can display what's going on in your heart, imagine if Jesus is the king of your heart. Imagine how different that would be if he was directing your life, if he was displaying what's going on on the inside, if he wasn't destroying but building up your life. Imagine how different our lives would be. So does that mean then that we just like surrender to Jesus and he will sort our tongue out and we'll never say anything wrong again, we'll never say anything short again, we'll never get ourselves in trouble? No, it doesn't mean that. You see, James is an intensely practical book and um, we're in James chapter 3 now, but James talks about the tongue a lot all the way through the book of James. And in fact, one of his most amazing bits of wisdom is in James chapter 1. So we're going to circle back to James chapter 1, because when I looked at James chapter 1 two weeks ago, we looked at the first part, which is about faith, and can we profit from our problems. But in the second half of James chapter 1, there's three verses which are absolute gold. And a couple of years ago, I heard a guy called Andy Stanley, who's the leader of North Point in America. We're a partner church uh, with these guys, as well as being part of Elim and several other networks as well. Um, And I heard him bring this teaching, and I want to pass it on to you, okay? So this is his teaching from a series that he did called Me and My Big Mouth. It is so, so good. And before we get into that, though, I want to tell you a couple of stories that happened to me and Alison in the last couple of weeks, okay? So a few weeks ago on a Sunday night, we were sat down and we were all ready to watch Line of Duty. Any Line of Duty fans in the house or online? Okay, all a little bit disappointed. And there we go. We won't, we'll move on. Anyway, I'm about to watch it and a phone goes and I'm called and I have to go out into our street and I have to break up what was about to become a fight with some young adults. Okay, words were spoken. There was shouting in the street. There was screaming. There was all kinds of words that I didn't even know what the words meant. No, I honestly did, but I didn't know some of them. Anyway, uh, and, and I'm going on and on, and it, it was all fine and it all settled down. And, and but I thought actually, words and words, and you said this and you said that, and words were about to escalate into violence. And then just a couple of weeks after that, again on a Sunday afternoon this time, not line of duty, but on a Sunday afternoon, Alison and I had gone up to the park uh, for a little walk around. We had an ice cream. It was nice weather. We were driving back home and we were in the next street to us. Now, bearing in mind, okay, we live in Hales Owen. It's not the hood. It's not a ghetto, okay? It's a nice place. But in our street was this thing. And then a couple of weeks later, in the next street, there's these two lads who were about 12 or 13 and they wanted punching the face off this other lad. And we pull the car over to the side and we break the fight up. In fact, we pulled over so quick, a car nearly went into the back of it. And we, and we split these lads up and we said, guys, what's that matter? And Alison was on that side. So she wound the window and I said, lads, that's what's going on. And the one lad, the big lad, was pummeling the face of this little lad. And the big lad walked off and apparently they were cousins. They were on to see their grand, they were going to see their nan. 
And Alison said, hey, hey, to the little one, she says, what, what's your cousin's name? To which the little lad says, his name, he's fat little, and then a four-letter word. And she said, has he got another name I could use other than those three words? And so basically we tried to, and yeah, I looked at that and we thought, isn't it true that our words can shape our world? That the words that we say can escalate into other things that we never, ever thought. How many of you have been in situations where you've said, how did we end up here? I wonder how many churches, I wonder how many businesses, I wonder how many families, I wonder how many marriages, I wonder how many nations would say, how did we end up here? I tell you how we ended up here. We didn't master our mouth. We didn't pay attention to the words that we used. And in James chapter one, this is just Gold wisdom. And listen, if you have no faith at all and don't believe in Jesus, this stuff, what I'm about to share with you, works. But if you do have faith, this is in the Bible and this is our instruction. This is part of our marching orders. It says this in James 1. Let's read it together. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen. Say it out loud. Quick to listen. I know you've got a mask on, but try it. Quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, James says, get rid of all moral filth. I mean, what a phrase. I can't remember the last time I've ever talked about moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. And what Andy Stanley does when he opens this up, I'm going to share this with you because it's genius. Okay, so breaks it down like this. Therefore, you should be, James is saying, quick to listen, quick to listen. And the word in the original language that he uses for quick is tacus. It literally means swift. It means ready. It means, it means fleeting. It's, it's there. It's quick to listen. And then, and then slow to speak. And the word in the original is branus, which literally means slow of understanding, taking time to be deliberate. So he says, quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. The word there is orger. It's not an outburst of anger. It's a settled disposition of anger. And so what James is saying is that there's a connection between being quick to listen, slow to speak, and then anger. There's a, there's a connection between listening, speaking, and anger. And what I want to do, guys, is I want to do something with you, okay? We're going to do it in the room. I want to encourage you to do it at home unless you're driving. Don't do this at home if you're driving. I want to put your hands out in front of you and clench your fists. Would you just do that for a moment, all right? Thanks, guys. Go with me. And I want you to almost say out loud and open your hands and go, quick to listen, slow to speak. Try it. Okay, so hold, put fists together. Ready? Quick to listen, slow to speak. To speak. It's going to feel a little bit odd. Here's the thing. The minute you clench your fists, you close off your ears. You close off your mind. You close off your heart. But that's a way of saying, I often use this. If I'm in a difficult confrontation or conversation with someone, often if I'm under the desk, my hands or something, I'll open my hands. Why? Because that open posture is, hey, I want to listen. As soon as I go like that, I ain't listening anymore. I'm closed. Closing my mind, closing my heart, closing off the whole thing. But James says, hey, don't do that. Be quick to listen. Be slow to speak. Because when you're slow to speak, then you will become slow to get angry. So how can we listen quickly? Well, I think listen quickly literally means listen first. Listen first. Be speedy. Be quick to listen before you speak. I'm terrible at this. <laughs> Anyone else? Or is it just me? I'm terrible at this. It's such a thing. I thought, okay, listen. Listen. Quick to listen slow 
to speak. And slow to speak means wait and be late. Why wait and be late? Because when you're slow to speak, it means that then you're beginning to understand the other person rather than just speaking what you want to say. And I would say, if you have to speak at all, okay, ask questions. So maybe ask three questions. Next time someone speaks, ask three questions. We don't do that. We often just want to speak. When you want to speak, why don't instead of just speaking, ask a question? And then ask another question, then ask another question. The more questions you ask, the more you'll understand. And what James says, the more you understand about someone, the less likely you are to be angry. So maybe, guys, if you're in a relationship, maybe when they say something, you you left this out, didn't you? Before you go back with another punch, a verbal punch, maybe ask a question, maybe ask another question. Slow down speaking, because when you slow down speaking, maybe you'll slow down getting angry. So, so interesting. Stephen Covey wrote a book, a world famous book called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Habit number five was literally this. Seek first to understand, not to be understood. The quicker you are to speak, the slower you are to understand. But the slower you are to speak, the more you are likely to understand. My worst moments as a husband, and I've had lots, as a parent, as a leader, as a human being, are when I've not done this. When I've been quicker to speak, but slower to understand. My worst moments, and I'm sure that's true of you as well. Because your words shape your world. Have you ever noticed, guys, that that with other people, have you noticed that everything everyone else does makes perfect sense to them? Have you noticed that? Like to you, you think, how on earth could they do that? But it makes perfect sense to them. Like everything everybody else says makes perfect sense to them. Everyone else, everyone else, everything else that everyone else does that they believe makes perfect sense to them, but not to you. Why? Because we don't understand other people. And James is saying, when you're quick to listen and slow to speak, then you'll understand rather than just trying to be understood. So let's put it together. And it says this, quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Now let's just put that in normal English, okay? It just doesn't produce the rightness that God's looking for. And here's the big deal with this whole thing. You and I want to be right, don't we? We want to be right. So often when we're in conversations with people, whether it's the people that we love or whether it's other people, whether it's at work or life or wherever, we want to be right. I want to be right and I want you to know I'm right, which is why social media at the moment is so full of angry words, like angry posts where people are saying, this is why I'm right and you're wrong. And we want to be right all the time. We so want to win the argument and we miss the heart of what I think it means to be human, which is not winning arguments, but winning relationships. You can win the argument and lose the relationship. Bully for you. And you look around and say, I won, and they've gone. And, I th- and Andy Stanley says it this way, you want to be right at each other, but God wants you to be right with each other. And guys, I want to say, as we emerge out of this lockdown situation here in the UK and wherever else you're watching from or you guys in the room, you know, let's watch our words. Let's pause before we post on social media. Let's guard our tongue. Let's, let's, be, let's be quicker to listen and slower to speak. Why? Because we don't want to create more and more anger. We don't want to win more and more arguments. We want to build more and more relationship, don't we? 
We want to build more bridges than we create barriers. We want to bring people together rather than push people apart. We live in such a binary, polarised, divisive world right now. Are you for the vaccine or against the vaccine? Are you Brexit or are you Remain? Are you right or are you left? Are you this or that? And I think, God, Jesus stands in the middle of that and says, hey guys, you can win the argument and then you still lost. Because when you've lost the relationship, you've lost everything. This is what James is getting at. And then he says, then he says this, therefore get rid, get rid. And we're going to look at this word get rid. In the original language, and it's hard to say, apatithomy, apatithomy. Sounds like I've got the wrong teeth in there. Apatithomy, it literally means to put off, to lay aside. It's like a jacket. So Alison's going to pass me my jacket for a moment. I'm going to describe it. And James is saying, therefore get rid. It's like a jacket. Just throw it, thanks. Okay, so what he's saying is that this is like a jacket that you're wearing, okay? And what he's saying is you're wearing this jacket, all right? And this jacket is, I'm right. And what James is saying is, hey, if, if you want to be a person that, that builds, that shapes your world in a positive way, if you want to be a person that brings life, if you want to be a person that has a marriage and a relationship that you can look back on and say, it grew and got better over time. If you want to have a family that sticks together, if you want to have a, a workplace that's, that's got a great culture, you've got to take, you've got to get rid of this jacket. You've got to take off the jacket that keeps saying, I have to be right. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Uh, and he goes on to say, therefore get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. And what I think he means by that is the moral filth and the evil is prevalent. It's just that desire you've got to be right. It's like moral filth and evil. You don't have to be right all the time. Win the relationship. So powerful. And then he says, humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. That's just a great phrase. Humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. And I think James would say this, we is more important than me. And actually, when he says the word that can save you, he's not talking about your soul. He's not talking about salvation. He's literally talking in the broader sense of save, which in the Hebrew understanding um, literally is about rescue. And so he's saying this, hey, you want to save your marriage? Take off the jacket. Take off the jacket. Because this jacket that you keep putting on that says, I'm right, I'm right. Do you know what? It's like moral filth and evil. You want to save the marriage? Get rid of it. You want to save the relationship? You don't have to be right all the time. Be quick to listen. Slower to speak. Then you'll be slower to become angry. I think saving a marriage, saving a relationship, maybe keeping you out of prison, maybe keeping you out of debt, maybe keeping you out of a feud. Wouldn't it be amazing if some of our world leaders, and we're going to pray today for our world leaders at the end, wouldn't it be amazing if some of our world leaders took off the jacket and said, hey, I'm going to be right. How can we restore? How can we rebuild? How, how, how can we create bridges? Do you know what I mean? And maybe I don't have to be right all the time. Maybe I could take off that jacket because there's something bigger than me being right because we is always more important than me. Don't set off for being right, guys. Make things right. Don't set off for being right. Make things right. And I want to encourage you. I want to invite you, every single person in the room, watching live or whenever you're watching it. Think of a person in your world right now that you are not right with and make it right. And you say, oh, it's easy for you to say, you don't know the situation. And I don't. And I'm not saying it can happen with one text or one conversation. But it can happen when we move towards that person, when we are quick to listen and slower to speak.
Because when we are quick to listen and slower to speak, we will be slower to become angry. How do we master our mouth? So our words shape our world in a positive way. Put your hands in front of you again, guys. What do we do? We are quick to listen and slow to speak. You know, we talked about the heart earlier on. And we're going to land with this a little bit now. You know, the interesting thing is that Jesus and then his half-brother James, they both talk about the connection between heart, what's going on in the heart, and what's coming out of the mouth. And I know we've had this conversation recently that I felt a little bit under pressure in the last couple of weeks, a um, little bit overwhelmed at times, having a holiday tomorrow, we're going away for five days, Woo-hoo. Uh, need a break. And I'm aware that actually some of the words coming out of my mouth, the tone of the words, the kind of words, actually are connected to what's going on in my heart. Recognising it is one thing, doing something about it is a whole different deal. And we'll come on to that in a moment. But I want to say something else. There's maybe some of you here watching or in the room and, and you wouldn't class yourself as a person of faith. Maybe you're exploring the Christian faith and we love that here at this church. Absolutely love it. And maybe you've got questions about faith and that's absolutely great. I want to just share something about this. You see, in one sense, what James is saying is exactly what God did for us in Jesus. You see, when Jesus came, he came as a baby, unable to speak. And actually for 30 years, we hardly heard anything from Jesus. Nothing at all apart from one little interaction when he was 12. So Jesus came and he was really quick to listen, not to speak. But when he was 30, he began to speak and he began to speak in such a way that people flocked to him in their droves. Why? Because they thought or they sensed that this guy understands us because he was quick to listen and slow to speak. And so kids felt comfortable around him and women who were oppressed and pushed down uh, and subjugated felt lifted up and empowered and dignified and valued and they came flocking to him. And people who were on the outskirts of society and normal everyday people who found it difficult to be religious, they liked him. People who were nothing like him, liked him. And they came to him, why? Because he was quick to listen and slow to speak, and people knew he understands us. And one of the things that most attracts me to Jesus is the fact that I think he gets us. I think he's the only person out there that really gets us and understands us. And faith in Jesus makes life better and makes you better at life. It doesn't make it perfect. It doesn't mean you won't mess up. And I've met some people who are not Jesus followers, who are nicer people than people who are. I get all that. But all I know is this, with Jesus in your life, it makes life better and it makes you better at life. And so I want to say to you, if, if you've not accepted Jesus into your life and made him the king of your heart, you can. You see, James looked at Jesus and he was sceptical. It was his half-brother, wasn't it? And he was like, there's no way my half-brother is the son of God. I mean, that's ridiculous. And yet for James, it was when he saw Jesus risen from the dead. And the Bible, and Paul records this in 1 Corinthians. And he says, and Jesus appeared to James also. And at that moment, James said, you know what? I watched him grow. I watched him do all that. He had amazing words, incredible. All of this, didn't really believe. But now I've seen him risen from the dead. Now I believe. And he believed in so well. He made, he invited his half-brother. He invited Jesus to be the king of his heart. And so much so that James lost his life for his faith. 
And I think that at that moment when he closed his eyes for the last time, he knew in his heart that when he opened his eyes for the first time in eternity, the first person he will see would be his brother, Jesus. Guys, I don't know where you're at or where you're, where you're at with your faith. I know this. If you accept Jesus into your heart and make him the king of your heart, you can not only be better at life, but when that moment comes when you close your eyes for the last time and you will open your eyes for the first time in eternity, the very first person you see will be Jesus. Wouldn't that be amazing? And you see, here's the thing. When we make Jesus the king of our heart, literally not only does he give us eternal life, not only does he make us better at life and make life better, but actually he begins to work on the inside out. And the more we surrender our heart to him, the more we give our heart to him, the more he deals with the anger, the more he deals with the fear, the more he deals with the insecurity, the more he deals with the pain. And so that begins to work out on the outside. It begins to shape our words, which can shape our world. Guys, I want to invite you to stand if you're here in the room and uh, if you're watching online as well, I just want to invite you just to open your heart right now and, and maybe if you, you haven't accepted Jesus, you've not invited Him to be the King of your heart, you can do that right now. We'd love to help you with that. Or maybe you just want to take a next step and you don't know what that next step is. Maybe it's to talk to someone about faith. Maybe it's to, it's to join a connect group. Maybe it's to get more involved here in the life of the church. And you can do that whether you're geographically close to us or whether you're at a distance uh, with a virtual connect group. And so there's a thing going to come on the screen right now and on the chat out there uh, in the online church as well. And, and if you want to take a next step, you can do that right now. But I want to invite you, wherever you are, to do something on the inside. And I also felt as I was praying for today that I felt God wanted to say some stuff to some of us today, that actually some words have shaped our world already. And some of us are here or we're watching online and we know that our world has been shaped not by our words, but by the words of other people. I wanna say Jesus can change that too. He can break the power of those words that have been spoken over your life. And He can begin to shape His identity in you. You are not what they said about you. You are not even what you say about you. You are what He says about you. His words can shape your world. So I want to invite you, whether you're in the room or online, whether you're watching live or later, let's pray for a moment. And again, if you would like someone to pray for you, the link will come up in the chat or here in the room, you can go online here as well. And we can't pray for you physically as in get close to you right now, but we can pray. We've prayed for more people during the last year than ever we've done. It's just been amazing how many people we've had the privilege of praying with. So I want to invite you just to open up your heart right now and then we're going to respond to Him with this song that the band are going to sing kind of over us and allow God by His Spirit to work in us as well. So I want to invite you just to pray with me. Jesus, I want to pray that every single person watching this, whether it's live in the room, whether it's online, whenever or wherever, God, may they all know that You loved us so much. God, that You sent Your only Son who was quick to listen and slow to speak and wasn't angry with us, doesn't have angry words to speak over us, but has words of love and affirmation, words of acceptance. Not, not just like, I want to be right all the time. You don't have to be. But God, you, you love us so much that you put all that stuff on Jesus 
so that Jesus could, cre- could open His arms and take us all in. And Lord, I wanna pray that those of us that know that we've had words spoken over us which have shaped our world, God, we listen more and more to Your words right now. And Lord, those of us who know that actually in our heart, we do need to let You in, maybe again. Some of us who are followers of Jesus, we need to open up our heart again. God, may we do that today. And as we surrender our heart to You, and as we put into practice this incredible teaching, We're going to be quick to listen and slow to speak. And as you work in our heart, may that work out into our words. And Lord, this week, may we be people that carry and speak words of life and hope, building bridges, not barriers, restoring relationships, not being right all the time. God, may we do that and bring honour and glory to you, I pray, because you are the King of our heart. In Jesus' name, Amen.